G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast coming at you Sunday evening with the great man at JLO once again on another sit down episode. Huge basketball orientated episode today, we talked about our NBA All-Star picks. Is it a good idea that the NBA is having an All-Star game? Probably not with what's happening in the coronavirus situation, but seems like all systems go and they're going to have a mid-season classic with some of the league's premier talents. So we run through and pick our 12 blokes from the East to verse 12 blokes from the West. Played a little bit of uh, up-down picking whether some of these teams in the East should aim upwards and try and make the playoffs or whether they're better off tanking, for lack of a better term, and getting some better picks and some young talent through the door. We then, for the first time this preseason, talked about some actual footy rather than AFL fantasy. We unpacked one of my big articles and set the AFL goals for uh, every AFL team this pre-season, or heading into 2021. I looked at probably six in this one, but you can check out that article for all 18 AFL clubs. And then we looked at the AFL ladder and talked about the teams who didn't make the finals in 2020 that might be ready to make a leap in the next footy season. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. We're back on another Sunday. It's bloody cold for February. It's meant to be summer, but I'm uh, still sitting here in shorts, but I'm not warm. How are you uh, body temperature-wise? Got three, Sunday, JLo. Three jumpers on, mate. I'm going fine. We are in Albany, so what do you expect? Yeah, that is true. It is uh, not known for its heat in Albany. Um, big blockbuster uh, on Saturday night with the Perth Scorchers and the Sydney Sixers. Obviously, uh, didn't get up from the Scorchers' perspective, but now we've setting it up perfectly for Big Bash 11, where the Scorchers can beat the Sixers and then... Uh... No, we're not here to talk about the Big Bash. We're here to talk about... Uh, I was going to say. Plenty of other stuff. Uh, we're going to start... Basketball orientated for a change. Um, big news in the NBA at the moment is everyone's opinion on the All-Star game. Now, obviously, uh, as two West Australians, we're not going to turn down a mid-season showcase. But there's a lot of players that are voicing their opinion saying that they don't think it's the smartest choice. They don't think it makes a lot of sense if they're trying to get through an entire season mm. from a health perspective. Uh, just for those who probably aren't up to date, LeBron after the Nugs game, I'm pretty sure, said that he has, quote, zero energy and zero excitement about an All-Star game. But he's made, what, 15, 16 of them, so I can understand why he'd be a bit over them. On the other side of the uh, coin, though, Tobias Harris on the Woj pod the other day was talking about how, because he's never made an All-Star game, he's like, oh, I'm still pretty excited. Like, I would happily go. Um, Do you reckon we're going to see some blokes potentially withdraw their names from All-Star contention? It's a tricky one. Yeah, God, I have not thought about that. I sort of haven't been following along too closely with, you know, the idea that it might not go ahead. I kind of just have had in my head that it will go ahead at the same time. But obviously that doesn't make a lot of sense. I I think of all the years, it's probably a good year to maybe just say, these are the all-stars, but we're not playing the game. Yeah, still give them the... Because there's a lot of dudes that depend on, like, contract incentives and things like that from getting all-star gigs. It's currently scheduled to go... Ahead a month from today, 7th of March, in Atlanta. They're going to do traditional East versus West and then a bit of a skills comp. And we're going to give our all star uh, lineups in a bit. But yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if we saw dudes pull, the, pull out and opt for the rest. LeBron was saying he was under the impression that that five day break they usually have for all star was just going to be a rest period. 
and it makes sense for them to potentially schedule some of the games they've lost in that spot. But yeah, I don't know. Let's, um, they could definitely do the dunk comp and the three point comp though. Still, just do it in your own arenas and just film your run. That's like, a great that call. That would totally actually. still work. So that well, I think they're canning. From what I can understand, they're canning them, and they're just going to have everything in Atlanta in this competitive environment. That's uh, who knows. Yeah, yeah. So that's weird. But I, I reckon they should still do the three point comp because it's as long as you got a, a camera on you, you know, it's it works. And same with the dunk comp. So. That is a fantastic call. Always bringing some uh, initiative to the Sportsby Pod, yep. Um Speaking of, let's uh, transition into our all star lineups. We went through and have picked twelve blokes that we think kind of deserve it. Kind of are our favourites. Uh, kind of a combination of the two from both the West and Eastern Conference. I'm pretty sure our starting lineups will be similar. There might be one or two differences, but uh, because I'm in a hell of a good mood, which conference do you want to start with? Should we go... We always go the West. Why don't we go the East first? Go on. All right, we'll pick the East. Uh, I think in this front court, from a starting perspective, I've got three blokes that I think are pretty much locks. Yeah. i got Durant, Giannis, and then Joel Embiid. And yeah. I assume you've got the same thing. Spot on, mate. The guards, though, I've gone... Not different route, but I've kind of deviated a little bit from how some of the voters have gone. At the moment, Bradley Beal is earning the most votes for Eastern Conference guards, and I've given him a starting slot. Yeah, rightly so. It's finally time he gets a bit of love, poor old Brad Beal, because he missed it last year, right? Oh, he did, yeah, that's right, because his uh, missus went into bat for him and was making a lot of noise on yeah. social media. Is he the only bloke to average 30 to not make the All-Star game or something? And like from that? memory, the only bloke ever to average 30 and not make an All-NBA team as well. So He did have two All-Star appearances back in 2018-19 and 17-18, but yeah, I've sided with him, and I picked Trey Young as well as Ooh. the other starter. I know that he does get a lot of flack for what he doesn't do on defence, but... I think those Brooklyn dudes are going to make the team regardless. If I was picking my favourite bloke in that spot, I'd be tempted to side with Colin Sexton, but he's not going to be an all-star starter. So I've given it to Trey Young. Who have you got as the East starting guards? I've, I've definitely haven't gone with Trey, although I'm not so worried about Trey's defensive side. He, his turnovers are the thing that worries me with Trey. Um, I've gone with Jimmy Harden. I think of yeah, okay. out, it's kind of going to be him or Kyrie. I think James Harden does more for his team. And you know how I feel about Kyrie, who's going to make the All-Star team. I just think James is, probably deserves it. He's still a top five player, I think, um, in top the league. F- yeah, top four. Well, you could argue it anyway. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I so I, I reckon he should definitely be starting. He's leading the league in assists. He's still averaging like 23. Some three or something points like he's doing an unreal job and I kind of love what he's done to change his game to fit in with Brooklyn like I don't think the other two would have done that yeah and they they obviously didn't um, but James Harden like a lot of lot of love from me towards Jimmy I've, he, he's been up and down in the past for me but I reckon he should get the nod for sure I was going to say he probably hasn't got enough recognition for the way that he has like transitioned his game almost Completely, Like, he was getting a ton of assists in Houston, but he was just, like, dominating ISO possessions. Whereas it seems like he's really not even taken, like, second or third fiddle. He's just changed the way he plays mm-hmm. so that it could maximise uh, Brooklyn's success. Um, so you had Harden and... Beal. Beal, all right. Sorry, yeah. uh, four out of five, pretty yep. similar. Um, let's turn our attention to the seven reserves now. We've stuck pretty traditionally. We've gone two guards two forwards and then three wild cards. Mm. The two guards that I've got, 
no surprise, are James Harden and Kyrie Irving. I think they're going to make it. I would probably, from a personal standpoint, pick Jalen Brown over Kyrie Irving at the moment. But I don't know. It's, it doesn't sound right that Brooklyn deserves three All-Stars. But those three are probably three of the top like 15 probably three of the top 10 offensive players in the mm, league in absolutely. Kyrie, Kevin and James. So, and they're doing really well, Brooklyn. They're... Yeah, they are. They're getting a lot of shit for not getting a stop on defense, but they're also like at a historic rate offensively, as uh, I've kind of touched on a couple of times. So yeah, I stuck with an all Brooklyn uh, reserves starting lineup. Um, I'll keep rolling. I've yeah. got Jason Tatum and Julius Randle as my two forward wow. reserves. Uh, Tatum obviously kind of picks himself. I think he will make the all-star team. I found when I got to about this point, after putting Brooklyn's dudes and Boston's dudes in there, that you could kind of go a lot of different ways with the East lineup. I've obviously got a little bit of personal bias towards Cleveland, and Colin Sexton's name doesn't appear in the All-Stars. That's oh, tw- good. No. Twice, he, twice he's been mentioned, so I'm just making sure he gets plenty of airtime because he's not going to make it, let's be honest. But, um, yeah, I think it does come down to a little bit of personal preference where you rank some of these dudes. I think the top eight, let's say, are pretty locked in in the East, but then you can go in a lot of different directions. And speaking of different, rounding it out, I've already talked about Jalen Brown. The last two spots in my East All-Star roster go to Chris Middleton, averaging a career high in assists and almost the same amount of points. He's, uh, again, another dude on a really successful team out East. And I picked Nikola Vucevic because I went on a bit of a love fest uh, posting about him on social yesterday. And I think... You could make the case that he's the arguably third or fourth best big man in the league at the moment behind blokes like um, Nikola Jokic, who's the other one? Joel Embiid, the other starter in the East. That's a big call. I don't know if I'd say he's the third. I reckon he's playing like it right now. Um, You could probably put Carl Anthony Towns statistically in that conversation when he's healthy. Rudy Gobert, maybe. I was going to say, is your MVP ladder live at the moment? It is, uh, yeah. Rudy Gobert sitting in your MVP ladder. Yeah, he makes makes an appearance in the Western Conference, just a tease. But yeah, I love Nikola Vucevic. Um, Yeah, I don't really have much more to say about him. He's, uh, again, scoring a shitload. He had a 43-19 and against Chicago, who I think are like bottom three defense. But regardless, uh, Nikola Vucevic gets the final wildcard slot. How do your East reserves look? Yeah, okay. Mine's in a bit of a funny order, so I'll try and do the forwards and guards, but, you know, whatever. I've got Tatum. I totally agree with him. He's, He's the next Kobe, I think. I sort of didn't like it when people were saying that earlier in his career, but I, I've, I'm buying it at the moment. And I, he's one of my favourite players to watch. He's clutch. He's, he's a great scorer. He does it on the other end. So he's in. Uh, I've gone Sabonis. Because yeah, I think okay. he's just doing great things for a really good basketball side. He's like the closest thing we have to Jokic, that, you know, who's not Nikola Jokic. I really love his game. Um, and I think he deserves to get his second straight All-Star. Uh, then I've gone for Trey because he's obviously not in my starting lineup, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess I'll go with Irving. Um, but I, you know, there's no real order, so that's right. I'm not a huge Kyrie Irving fan. There's no way he misses it. I think he's probably going to get voted into the starting lineup. It wouldn't surprise me if that Brooklyn got all three of their dudes in the starting lineup. Bradley yeah. Beal deserves to probably start over one of the other two dudes, but yeah. probably Kyrie over the others but yeah I think all three of them are getting it and I, th- I think the only reason Harden is behind in the voting right now is because of that switch from Houston I think now he's in New York and in Brooklyn 
he's going to like get plenty more votes. Yeah. Um, so I've got Trey Young. I think I just... Oh, no, sorry. Irving and Trey Young. Both guns, even though I don't like Kyrie Irving that much. And then, similar to you, Chris Middleton gets in for me. Jalen Brown gets in for yep. me as the wild card. And then the last one, I, I just can't see him missing. Um, and I think I, what he's doing is still great, even though they've sort of fallen in the rankings a bit, is Bam Adebayo. Yeah, okay. Um, because he's, he's, especially because what he does defensively and offensively, he's got a unique game, similar to Sabonis and Jokic. Um, I think he's going to get in. There's obviously some bigger missions. You talked about Colin Sexton. I've dropped out Vucevic just because he just is so easy to forget down there. And That's why I just made sure he got the last spot on the roster. Yeah, he's been an all-star a few times, hasn't he? Uh, once. Yeah. Oh, one time. Was it last year? No, year before. The year before. Yeah, I, I can't see him getting in over some of these guys because I think Bam's that rising name. So is the bonus. I think Vucevic is... Even though he's playing unreal, he's sort of on the down. Yeah. And I think I think the sort of the coaches and uh, whoever else votes those all stars in will see that uh, or sort of roll with that. Zach Levine is a guy I've missed out. Yeah, I really he's... want to put him in. 20, 26, 5 and five is playing unreal. But like you said, playing for that bottom three sort of in the East Chicago. As much as I like his game, I can't see it happening. And the other one, I have Colin Sexton pretty high. I reckon he's right there. And if he can just do something over the next few... Needs another like moment like he had in that Brooklyn game. Right. like, And it's those sort of things that get the coaches' attentions, especially if you can snatch it on like national TV or against a huge, yeah. huge market team. And the other one, Fred, Fred Van Fleet. Is, yeah, uh, he would probably be my... Oh, yeah, I'd almost pick him over Levine and Sexton. But yeah. because he had a moment and set like the Raptors... Scoring record a couple of nights ago. It seems really weird to not put a Raptor in. Mm. I don't know. It's just after the last few years, but I uh, I can't see him quite making. Brogdon is the other guy I would love yeah, to put in. He's probably the the one that I want to put in the most. I'll be honest. Out of the like ten dudes, let's say like the last three, throw in like Rand. I think Middleton's a pretty easy staple. But like, yeah, I don't even have Randall on my list. But like Randall, Vucevic, like you said, Brogdon and Sabonis, Levine, Sexton, Bam, like. There's a pretty heated competition for the last two or three spots out east, and it might come down to, I don't know, if some dudes do withdraw, like if, well, yeah. let's say, KD's still out with goddamn COVID mm. protocols or something, then, yeah, who knows? We might see blokes rewarded. But I think, yeah, I'm a little bit biased because I've got uh, Vucevic-tinted goggles and wanted to put him in there, but you do make a pretty good case. I think Bam will get in over yeah. some of those other dudes. Sabonis probably deserves to get in Definitely. over... Um, a couple of the late round dudes that we talked about. And I think the thing with Vucevic is his records are going to hurt him. Yeah. And that's sort of what it comes down to in the East. Well, Bam's in a similar position at the True. moment record-wise. So, yeah. They'll I, come back. I wouldn't be against um, Brogdon and or Sabonis getting in. Yeah. I would like to see two paces in there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I think the West starting five is set in stone as we transition to the other conference. Um, I'll keep going. I got Curry and Luca in the starting guard spots, and then you throw in LeBron, Kawhi, and Jokic as the three front court dudes. The only one who you could maybe make a case for, and then as I'm saying this, I've now realised I nearly left him off my list was Anthony Davis against Jokic. But after doing 47 and then 50 in two of his last three, I think Jokic is really affirming his status as the best center in the league. 
Yeah, I am very similar Which to Which is surely you. music to your ears. Absolutely. I, you, I don't need to go into how Jokic is. He's sitting... Well, num- I set you a layup, mate. You could have just, we could have done another 30 minutes on the Jokic special. It's fine, mate. Everyone knows how I feel about Nick Jokic. Uh, LeBron and Jokic are the first two I wrote down. The, how the voting's going yep. out um, west. Curry, absolutely unequivocally in there for me. Kawhi Leonard's in there for me. Did you have Kawhi? Yeah. Yep. And... My one is, I think Luca doesn't deserve to start. I know he will start. Yeah. I think Lillard deserves to start over Luca. Um, that's that said, Luca is in my side, but I would love to see Dame Lillard in there, particularly with him sort of keeping Portland afloat. I know they lost today, but keeping Portland af- to the Knicks too, <laughs> keeping them a afloat. Feeling without Dame. Uh, Portland did the other game, so uh, the game before, so it's a bit all over the shop yeah, right now. But with no, um, what's his name? CJ. No Nurkic. Nurkic is the one I was looking for, and no CJ. I think what Lillard's doing is unreal, and he he's just like gets not enough love out there in Portland. So I'm putting him in my starting lineup. Um, but yeah, obviously Lucas still makes it. He's the first guy I've got ridden in my reserve spot. I subscribe a hundred percent to everything you just said about yeah. that. I think Luca will, yeah. and Luca will get the fan vote that pushes him in. He, speaking of that MVP ladder that I released, he went from fifth, which I was like, oh yeah, he's going all right, back down to ninth yeah. in my latest rankings. So I can totally subscribe to getting uh, Dame Lillard some love because he's severely. Underrated. Um, oh, you said Luke is your first reserve reel off. Who else you've got coming off the pine for the West? So Luke is a guard in the in these. Uh, I think so. Yeah, in the voting's. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I'll go Luca, and I'm going to put Paul George in as the next guy. I know he's sort of been a bit banged up, but I think when push comes to shove, and when the sort of All Star voting finally or All Star teams get announced, I think Paul George is the guy. Yep. Um, in that second guard spot uh, and especially with the Clippers going so well we were saying the other day the Clippers seem to be that team that just don't lose the games they should win yeah right if that makes sense yep. so I think they're going to have an unreal record probably possibly the best in the West come All-Star um, time and that's why I think Paul George will get in there and my two uh, forwards Ant Davis like you were sort of alluded to a bit earlier he's just a lock um, and, I think so too. And could definitely push for that starting lineup, although I can't see him displacing the Joker or Kawhi, and definitely not LeBron. Uh, and then I, I reckon I want to see Zion Williamson make the All Star team. Yep. I think his record will hurt him, but what he's doing and just the sort of he's averaging twenty four points roughly, um, potentially more by the time the All Star rolls around. I think I think New Orleans will sort of get it together. So I'm going with Zion for my other spot. And, you know, he belongs in an all-star game. For what it's worth, I think since we kind of crapped all over the Pels, don't know if it was last week, maybe the one before, we lose track of uh, this Mm. Sunday sit-downs. There's a lot of uh, shit that gets spoken on these podcasts. But, yeah, Zion and the Pels are starting to traject upwards a bit. Surprised me that he was only sixth in voting in the uh, East front... and the West front court, sorry. Like, I can get why LeBron, Davis... Jokic maybe but like he's behind Paul George in the votes so like, small market I think it's got to be you got to think about how many people are going to vote for New York Brooklyn and both LA teams well, it's funny you say that huge amounts of votes yeah four of the top five are in the West Front Court are LA blokes yeah. I'll cut you off you got any roster spots left 
Oh, I've got plenty of roster spots left. I thought you might want to do yours, but I'll do I'll do the yeah, rest. Yeah, round of it out. I'm going to chuck in the two Jazz guys, Donovan and Gobert. Um, and if I had to choose one at the moment, I'd choose Gobert. But I think they're just they belong together. Yep. And then rounding out my West uh, team is my man down down in Houston, Christian Wood. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think he deserves it, especially if you look at the guys who are sort of hanging around that last spot. Um, I'm going with Christian Wood. Just the the improvement he's shown. I just love his story. I love what he's doing. He's playing unreal defense. Probably like one of the only ones down there. <laughs> True. Hitting tons of threes. He's like a dunk machine. He's he's like weirdly wiry. He's like a he's like a bigger Kevin Durant in a way. Yeah, like okay. He slings it around. So I love what he's doing. I guess the one who probably I had written down, but then I thought it's my team. So I'm not going to put him in. Is Devin Booker? Um, he's probably the one who I thought will probably get in, even though I don't think he deserves it. So that's sort of the way I've rolled Christian Wood over Devin Booker. Because I, I won't uh, take up a lot of time then, because I pretty much have exactly the same list of reserves. Hey. So my guards, obviously, with Lucas starting, I got Lillard and Donnie Mitchell, mm-hmm. and then I put Paul George as a front court player, even oh, though he's probably okay. not. And yep. you could probably, I could quite easily swap around Zion because he's on my list. Sure. Um, Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert as well. And then the last spot, I was tossing up between two dudes, neither of which were Christian Wood or Devin Booker, actually. Mm. I thought that Ja Morant would be exciting to watch in the All-Star game. Memphis has been winning a handful of games as well, as I uh, quickly update the standings. They're uh, on a three-game losing streak, but (laughs) they have gone seven and three in their last ten, so I have faith that they're only at 500 as well, so... Hopefully, they can win a couple of games and Morant can push his name up the list. He's got plenty of years to make all-star games, though, so whatever. Uh, Brandon Ingram was the other one that I had uh, an affinity for, and I kind of hope that the Pels do get their shit together and start to rise, because he might get a little bit of uh, buzz and potentially be an injury reserve or something like that. It's worth pointing out, uh, Christian Wood just busted his ankle, so Mm -hmm. he's week to week, I think they said at the moment. Probably has done enough to justify being picked. And I think the All-Star votes are open for another week to 10 days, ballpark. So hopefully he's uh, going to get enough coaches' love to make one of those last few spots. Uh, Chris Paul is the only other bloke that we haven't talked about who, because this is the Devin Booker hate club, uh, I would probably put in over yeah. Book. Colin Sexton is actually uh, statistically... because. Can't have enough Colin Sexton shout-outs. Statistically, is almost identical numbers to Devin Booker at the moment, which when you say that out loud, is pretty crazy to think. So I could see Booker pushing for one of those last few spots and getting in, but if it was me picking the team, I'd pick Chris Ball over Booker. So I'm absolutely the same. I just can't see it going that way. I think Devin Booker has the flash and he hits the big shots, and I totally agree. I think Chris Paul is the guy who's driving that improvement out in Phoenix and Mikhail Bridges. Um, but I think Devin Booker's going to get in over Christian Wood and Chris Paul. A few other guys I did have written down, just like you were saying, I had Jar and Brandon Ingram as like one and two on the list of guys who are just missing out. Yeah, okay. Um, I think Jar probably just hasn't quite... He's had the injury, and um, even though he's super flashy, like you said, he, he's got time. So does Brandon Ingram, and they're losing too much to get two blokes in, I think. A few other guys that... I reckon deserve a mention. Both D's, 
DeMar DeRozan and De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, okay. DeMar DeRozan and the Spurs are sitting fifth right now, and someone has to be given credit for how well they're doing. DeMar's averaging 25 and 5 or something. Fox was the only other one that I had on my list. Yeah, and De'Aaron, I think, is sort of, you know, especially after they beat the Nuggets today, is probably, I would love to see him in there, but I can't see those guys making it. And it's, I guess, around record with De'Aaron. And sort of around, just no one gives DeMar DeRozan any love. So, I would love to see him get another All-Star, but... How many uh, off-the-dome uh, All-Star appearances do you reckon DeRozan's had? I would say three to four. Yeah, I would have said four. And it is four. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. He has not been getting any love this year. Yeah. I think we've mentioned his name maybe once before this mm. podcast um, in previous iterations. There's a lot of dudes putting up some stupid numbers at the moment. I had a quick squeeze. There's 11 blokes averaging 27. Wow. Including two others who have like 26.7, etc. And CJ McCollum, who's injured as well. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting. I think it's going to be pretty top-heavy in the All-Star appearances across the board. We're going to have those 10 to 15 blokes locked in. And then it'll yeah in the East and maybe the last couple of spots out West, it'll come down to a lot of personal preference and who the coaches pick. Um, you ready for a useless Sports by Fry stat? Always, mate. Paddy Mills today is not getting an all-star appearance. He today became the most tenured NBA Australian. So oh, who do you he has played Bogut? more games than any other Aussie. And it's funny you say that because, yeah, Andrew Bogut's number two Bogut. on the list uh, with 783. This is regular season and playoffs combined. Sure, sure. Um, do you reckon you can name the other three? I'll give you a bit so of a hint. This is top five. So this is top five. Delhi will be in there. No. Nah. Top really? five Australians for games played. Oh my goodness. This is... I'm having a mental block. Av- I'll, I'll give you a couple of little pointers. Okay. Of the three that you haven't named yet, two of them are still active and playing. Delhi's obviously not one of them. He's um, not. I can't believe that. Another one of them, uh, I think, is the most... Joe Ingles? Yep. He's Over fifth, Delhi. fifth on the list. Yep. Actually, really? I'll have a look and see how many games Delhi's got while you uh, brainstorm a couple of others. Fifth but, on yeah. the list. There's one, there's one more active. Yep. One active and one bloke that... Think of the most like... He might not be the most famous Australian basketballer. Nah. Oh, but Ricky. similar height. Uh, heel? Nah, won a couple of chips. Oh my goodness. Oh, um, oh Luke Longley? Yeah, yeah. Okay, of course. And then, yeah, this last one kind of surprised me. I probably would have picked Della Vadova, but uh, nah, the last one, actually, well, I've got it here. Delhi has played 434 games in the regular season. And because I have to scroll quickly, 52 games in the playoffs. Who so are you forgetting? 480. This is, this is annoying me. Damn, you're going to say this and I'm going to be... He switched on. teams this off-season? Nah, go on. Just, just Aaron Baines. Oh, he's beating Delhi. He's beating Delhi. I would yeah. have lost so much money on that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Delhi's about Bain. 60 games behind both those blokes. Hasn't played at all this year, though. And oh, actually, okay. as we're talking of him, I saw a tweet that he put out the other day saying, retirement is not on the cards. I'm just injured and like... Want to stay in Cleveland, love what they're building and love what they're doing. So, good news, okay. Cavs fans, Australian Cavs fans as well. Well, Delhi's not Delhi's super not going old. anywhere. He's younger than Paddy Mills, so... Mm. He's he? definitely younger, because Paddy Mills was one of the first to go through St. Mary's, and then Delhi was after. I certainly remember I'll that. take your word for it. Yeah. Delhi's... Uh, well, now I've put it out there, I'm not so confident, but I'm sure Paddy's older than Delhi. Delhi's 30, Paddy Mills... Is 32, okay, so yeah. you win that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, positive news for uh, Australian Cleveland fans. I want to play a little game uh, before we wrap up the NBA segment. Should teams aim up or down? And we'll stick with the Cavs first. We're going to do the East edition this week. 
and then I reckon next week we'll do the West. So I've got probably five or so teams that I'm going to throw at you, and I've got my opinion on whether they should go up or down, but I want your two cents. Because obviously, teams like Atlanta, they spent a shitload in the off-season. They're trying to win now. Yeah. The Raptors, the Heat, the... Who else am I thinking? The Wizards and the Pistons, like, they're pretty set in their timelines. Like, obviously, some of them are going up. Some of them are going down. Don't know about the Wizards. What are they doing? Yeah, well, they, they, I think they're trying to go up. Yeah. But it's not really working. Um, but let's stick with the Cavs because we had a little bit of a chat watching them play the other day. You were saying that maybe they could look at getting active in the trade market to try and improve their roster. Yeah. And they they actually do have a pretty solid on-paper team. Like when you look at it top to bottom, they've got a pretty cluttered front court with Andre Drummond, Larry Nance, Jared Allen, my new second favourite Cavalier, mm-hmm. Darius Garland, Colin Sexton in the backcourt, solid wings with Osmond and Prince and uh, someone else I'm forgetting that's probably not that important. Anyway, oh, Damien Dodson. Acora, yeah, that's the one. Um, so as a Cavs uh, enthusiast, I would obviously love to see them get a top pick and get a superstar to build around, but they've got a pretty good nucleus at the moment. They're half a game out of eighth spot in the playoffs. If the play-in game was today, they would play the New York Knicks for a spot in the postseason. But mm. do you think the Cavs should be aiming upwards or is it wise for them to dump a couple of their older dudes and aim downwards? Yeah, we were talking. We did talk about this the other day. I think the Cavs need to stop looking to the draft. I think <laughs> they need to at least try and roll with... Colin Sexton looks great. He looks like a fringe Looks like a winner. Yeah, I, I love Colin Sexton um, nearly as much as you. Uh, Darius Garland, I think, potentially is a great ball handler. He does throw off quite a few assists, and he might be the guy to run the offense. So you can, I, I'm going to say, lock him in at point guard. Jared Allen's great. Okoro's going to be a great sort of three and D guy. I'm assuming he's going to be a three. And he's I was going to say he's D. got the D, but he doesn't have a lot of offense at the moment. Yeah, the three's a very questionable. Yeah, one, he's a funny one. We're sort of watching him, saying you need to be shooting that, and I think he will. Um, but I sort of expect him. This here's the Nuggets fan in me to be a bit like Gary Harris. Yeah, everyone sort of says, oh, we need Gary to score more. But he, if he's the fourth or fifth guy, that's okay. I think, obviously, it's that power forward position. That's the real question for you guys. And that's why I think you guys should be aiming up, trying to get someone like a Julius Randle, who can put it in the basket, can rebound, but also can sort of facilitate an offense quite nicely. I mean, I know you could never get some bonus, but... A guy like oh, that would be nice. I mean, I'm not. You probably don't need the scoring, but Larry Nance is kind of like a shit version of that to yeah, some he, extent. He's too shit. So <laughs> I'm going to say, hey, 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 Cavs should definitely aim up because, like you said, I quite like Torian Prince. I like Jetty Osman as a sixth, seventh, eighth man. You just need that one extra guy, and and we've said it for a while. A bit of veteran leadership, like. Potentially, you could try and grab a Kyle Lowry, who we all know is, a, or a Drew Holiday, who are great locker room people. I, I'm not saying that the Cavs could get those guys, but great locker room guys who are sort of fading in their career to just help usher these young guys and that that young locker room into like a winning, turning help them turn yeah. into a winning organization. Kind of like a if you could get like a Chauncey Billups in the twilight of his career, someone like that, that'd be awesome. So I'm going to say Cavs. Go for it. Bugger I the, think so. Bugger too. the draft pick. I, uh, I honestly think you could almost talk 
the Raptors into doing a deal around Kyle Lowry, especially if they like miss the playoffs this year. Right. Granted, he I think of the Dome as a free agent as well this off season, so. Ooh. Yeah, that could work. You'd probably have to give up Darius Garland or something in that deal, which it, might not make sense. It doesn't positionally make sense, but if you could get a guy like someone who's a great leader, he could be a small forwarder or a centre. I don't yeah, care I what you. position. One of those guys, they just jump to mind. But I think, I think Kevin Love is good from that aspect in like a leadership veteran role. Like He seems to be doing a lot helping out those dudes, but obviously he's a bit past it. I think he's banged up. I don't think they're going to be able to get rid of him now. His contract's pretty bloated, so I'm not against them keeping him. Drummond is the one that I really want to see them dangle the carrot and flick him off. He's definitely a free agent in the off-season after picking up a huge player option, but it'd be interesting to see if the Cavs could swing for the fences and nab someone like a Julius Randle type. Speaking of Julius Randle, the New York Knicks, currently 11-13. and 13. They're sitting 7th in the East. Should they continue to aim towards a postseason berth and go upwards, or is it right for them? Aiming down doesn't sound right, but you know what I mean by say down. Yeah, like, obviously, they're probably overachieving in the eyes of a lot of people, myself included, but I could see a scenario where the Knicks hold on to a, one of these crazy playoff spots. Personally, I think it's better for them to aim down. They've got Randall, they've got some other young dudes. RJ Barrett looks great, but there's a little bit of a mess across the board. Mitchell Robinson's promising, but... He's been promising for like four years now and has, mm. I don't think, really taken another no. step up in development. Their point guard, now that they've got quickly, might be sorted. They're in the market, apparently, for Derek Rose, which would probably push them further up the... or not push them up the standings, but would seem like they're going for Most it. Of it yeah. But yeah, what do you reckon? Should the Knicks go up or down? I think the Knicks... For, I've thought for years they just need to bottom out, like they did with RJ, do it one more year... Try and grab Cade Cunningham, and then you've got the two guys. Yeah, okay. And then from there, sign whoever you want because you're New York, like, and like just roll with it. But I think they just need to, need to, need to get that second guy next to RJ. The good news is, especially if they could manage, and a number one draft pick is a, never easy to get, but if they could snag Cade Cunningham, who isn't the guy who's going to be scoring 35 points a game. Next to RJ Barrett, that's just money in the bank. So I think I would be absolutely doing whatever I could to get the number one pick if I was the Knicks. Um, and boy, oh boy, they need to bottom out. The problem is New York, as a, as a sort of as a city and a fandom, just doesn't accept that, which is weird because they've been doing it for 20 years. You think yeah. they would just say, God, enough is enough. Let's bottom out. <laughs> Let's have two, one or two more crappy years and then we're fine. Because as soon as they get that number one draft pick, they're New York City. They can get a huge free agent or someone who that really... Or especially a younger free agent. I think that would work really nicely. So, Knicks need to bottom out. There is still the appeal of obviously going to New York. But you're right. It seems like there's not as many like viable free agents that are like, Oh, I want to go and turn the Knicks around. We obviously uh, <clears throat> can see the glass half full and be like, Oh, you need to be at the bottom to get those like superstar talents. They've actually only had... Two picks inside the top four in the last decade, oh. obviously. RJ was one of them. Chris Dapps was another. But they've kind of been screwed over by the lottery balls. Like, Kevin Knox was pick nine. Obi Toppin this year was pick eight. Going a couple of years back, Frank Nilakina was pick eight. Mm. They didn't have one the 2016 year. So, it really is a case, I think, of them. They could cash in quite easily on this Julius Randle chip. I don't think his trade value has ever been higher. Yeah. Mitch Robinson, again, like I said, he hasn't 
gone up in development. So if they flick out Julius Randle, maybe play some of their other younger dudes like Knox, who's, I think, been cop and coach DMPs. Yeah. Like, it makes sense for them to kind of develop those dudes. Or worst case, like trade them. Trade Kevin Knox and those other dudes for to potentially move up in the draft when it does come draft time. I think they shouldn't be afraid to potentially look at now he's playing quite well, moving quickly as well. If it gets you Cade Cunningham and it helps you bottom out, I know quickly look promising, but like we were sort of saying, with what you said with Julius Randle, his trade value is really high at the moment, and I think they could potentially get something or a few pieces back, helps them bottom out, but then helps a quick turnaround. I don't think it t- would take much in New York. They just have to be willing to, to really bottom out, yeah. which they, like you said, Knox was eight or nine. Um, Topman was eight or seven. Yeah, eight. You know, Neil Aquino was seven or whatever you're saying. So, like, they've never fully bottomed out. You don't get to that point unless you're sort of around that, I don't know, sixth worst team in the league. So I think they just need to go for it and totally bottom out. Like they tried with RJ and lost the Zion. There's probably no activity I enjoy more than making up fake NBA trades. So let me give you one uh, that I've just manufactured. If the season ended today and there was no draft lottery, the Wizards would have pick three. Obviously, New York has their pick. They also get Dallas's pick from Mm. the Paul Zingas trade. So if you were either side of the coin... Would you trade pick three from Washington for pick eight, pick 16, and Julius Randle? Because like we just said, the Wizards have the kind of two big dogs in Beal and Westbrook. They don't really have a lot else going for them. I think they need to get guys like Randle or developed, uh, established veterans that could help them go for it. Do you think the Knicks could pull that off? Uh, yeah, it seems like it could work for both sides, uh, salaries permitting. But yeah, mm. I, I reckon um, I can't see a lot of value for Washington the way they're currently built in getting a th- number three draft pick. Yeah, okay. They've got Hachimura. They've got a few guys who have sort of been lottery picks. I think it's time to look... I guess I think they're looking up. God knows what they're doing. But I'm assuming they're looking up. So bringing in a Randall and still keeping a few sort of lottery picks would be perfect for them. So I reckon both sides would benefit. Yeah, um, I'm happy with that one. Not hopefully hopefully that pick could move up to number one for, uh, for the old uh, Knicks. Yeah. Fingers crossed New York Knicks can have some joy. Uh, the Wizards, like we said, are not in our uh, list, but a couple of spots up from them on the roster. The Orlando... The standings, rather. The Orlando Magic. Now, they've got some like young dudes. Markel Fultz, obviously, is out for the year. Mo Bamba is puzzlingly not playing yeah, at the moment. I don't, I don't understand what they're... I'm pretty sure his rookie deal runs out this year as well, so yes. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Jonathan Isaac busted his knee and then busted his knee again, so mm. he hasn't played yet this year and he won't. So I think if you're the Orlando Magic, Nikola Vucevic aside, I kind of hate their roster. There's not a lot yeah. to love. They've dipped into the playoffs a couple of times, but they got swept back-to-back years in the first round by the Bucks, and then I think the Raptors from memory. So if I'm a Magic owner slash GM, I think it's wise for them to aim down. They've got potential trade chips like Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier that could net them, even if it is, like we said, the Knicks probably need to get that star or whatever. Vucevic is in his latter part of his career, but you could get... I don't know, another couple of lottery picks as well as your own if you're Orlando. Flick Fournier and get one of the Knicks picks, say, at Mm. 16 or whatever. Or maybe even a top 10 pick by packaging a couple of dudes together. I think that's the route the Magic should go down because there's not a lot of hope for them 
potentially going upwards the way that they're currently constructed. Not with the East the way it is. You've got some, like the MVP favourite, the two-time MVP, the three-headed monster in Brooklyn. The Pacers look really good. Miami was a, a East uh, sorry a finalist last yeah. year, so I think the the Magic is absolutely right. Have to aim down. I, I like what Cole Anthony's doing. Um, Markel Fultz has looked good at times. I think they need to keep going that way. And you're right, Vucevic is just being wasted. I feel so sorry for him yeah. down there. Let free Vooch, yeah. and I, I reckon aim down. For, Aaron for Gordon is someone who's probably been thrown in trade rumours for God, years. Crap. But yeah, I don't think you can get a lot back for him either. So mm. maybe you just hold on to him, write him out, re-sign him or not, whatever. Depends on how much it's worth. But yeah, from a roster construct, I'm actually just looking at their depth chart at the moment. you got... Cole Anthony at point guard. You would have Foles kind of running the show. Michael Carter-Williams is the only other recognisable guy there. No offence to Frank Mason the third. Yeah. Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross I touched on. Then there's dudes like Dwayne Bacon, James Ennis. If you're wondering, Orlando's where Alfa Camino's playing. Okay. So, Kem Birch is actually a solid player, but like you wouldn't want him more than like your eighth or ninth guy. No. So... Orlando's got a lot of holes to fix, in my opinion. The Bulls are in a similar spot as well. They're the next ones we want to look at. I also think Chicago should aim down. I do like what Wendell Carter, Kobe White, and Laurie Markkinen look like on paper. You've got a young nucleus, but Laurie Markkinen seems to be really unhappy in Chicago. He hasn't really hit his straps. He's had flashes of success, and Wendell Carter can't stay on the court. Kobe White looks great. Zach Levine is the definition of... Good stats, bad team guy. So I don't know if the Bulls should go up because if you can aim up and try and develop those dudes, maybe you're going to get into a six seed at best. Again, it's easier said than done to try and get one of these superstars and a top three pick in the lottery. But much like the Knicks, they don't really have a dude to build around, in my opinion. I actually uh, disagree. This is probably the only one we'll actually disagree on because I know we think very similarly about basketball. I think the Bulls have the cavalry, they've got the young people, much like the Cavs. Mm-hmm. I think they've got the guys, now it's just trying to time to develop them. You've got to be patient in the NBA. You're not going to win it you know, straight away with these young dudes. Obviously, Markinen's a bit funny, but I think he was just unhappy with Boylan and who yeah, okay. wouldn't have been. In fact, I think they were all unhappy it with Sounds Boylan. like a shit situation. I think we've got to give him a bit of time to sort of gel together without Boylan. Um, I like what the the individual skill sets. Who's in their the coach team. now? Oh, uh, Fred Hoiberg. No, he got fired before Boylan. I think it's to be honest, good question. Um, I'll get on it. But I think they've got the individual skill sets for it all to work. Obviously, it Billy Donovan, close. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Billy Donovan is a great coach. True. So you can see why Kobe White's thriving there because Billy Donovan's such a guard, you know, dominant. Yeah sort of coach. I think it's going to work. They've just got to give it a bit of time. Larry Markin just needs to sh- just shut up. Like, you're getting paid f- however much money a year, mate. Like, relax. Enough. And you, he's not that good. Um, he's not good enough to be, like, really complaining. So, I think put, put your money where your mouth is and sort of get it done. I think they should be aiming up because I can't see a, a number one draft pick doing too much for them. They've got their lead scorer in Zach Levine and other guys who can fill it up. Like Kobe White's a bucket when he wants to be. Was a bucket at North Carolina. Mm. Um, Patrick Williams is the other bloke that I haven't talked about. He's got like 
pretty high praise from LeBron and Kawhi mm. and dudes like that when he's gone head to head. So he's not going to pop off the screen with his averages at the moment. But he's another dude. That he was a fourth look, pick too, wasn't he? Yeah, we yeah. might turn around three or four years from now and be like, oh shit, we're Pat Williams has taken the jump. I think I think it's like with, like with the Cavs, when you've got three or four of those young dudes, you have to give them time for one to step up and say, I'm the big dog. Where do the others fall? Do they, They're they all going to grow up together. Sort yeah, of, true. It's exactly what the Nuggets did, and they all love each other. You hear them talk about each other. They're like, I grew up with these guys. It's a family. I know exactly what they're thinking. So I think the the Bulls need to do that. Such a great basketball city, thanks to the one bloke. But I reckon... Longley? Yeah, I think they just, Steve Kerr. I think they need to re- relax. I think they need to give Donovan a bit of time to work his magic. Because, let's be honest, like he's an unreal coach. He's won national championships. He pushed um, OKC to, like, to being a good team with pretty much fuck all. Um, so I think give Donovan time... And I think give like Zach Levine a chance to sort of get it all together, and I think they're all right. They should aim up. You've persuaded me a little bit. I still uh, don't know if I agree. But Pat yeah. Williams, I couldn't remember who the other one was. But <laughs> he's like I said, easy to forget when you're averaging like nine points a game. Yeah. Um, last bloke or last team that we want to talk about. I definitely think these guys should aim up. Yep. The Charlotte Hornets. I think they are like you kind of said. They've got all the young dudes. Having Gordon Hayward, I think, really does speed up their timeline in some sense. It senses. dictates where they're going. I, yeah. I, if they didn't have Haywood, and I kind of wish they didn't, I would say just one more. Like, go for one more down year, try and get a high draft pick, but I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, having Gordon makes them sort of say, let's go up, develop bridges, and like yeah, obviously Lamelo's killing it, so sorry to cut you off. No, no, it's all right. Know. I'm a big uh, PJ Washington fan as well. He's someone that a couple of years from now, if you see those redraft articles, he'll definitely be taken a bit big higher time. than where he got picked. I think the centre position is the only one that they need to really not nail, because mm. Cody Zeller and Bismack are no scrubs, but they've been playing a lot of like Miles Bridges at power forward when Washington's not there, and I think he would... Yeah, if Haywood wasn't there, he would probably be popping right now because we've seen how he and Lamelo look. But I think that there's enough depth-wise for the Charlotte Hornets to make some noise in the East. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they made the playoffs this year. Honestly, they're tied with the Raptors for the eighth seed. They're only half game back from teams like the Knicks and the Hawks, who are the next Cavs off the rank. But the Hornets definitely, I think, have enough horses in the stables to make some noise in the East. Yeah, I agree, and I. I... Pete, love him or hate him, I think uh, Lamelo's going to be a star. I think he's probably the best player in that draft. Um, although Ant Edwards and Jimmy Wiseman are looking like uh, one and two draft picks. They're doing enough to sort of, uh, I guess, justify being taken ahead of Lamelo. But I, I always thought he was the only one in the draft who had that sort of like superstar potential and that sort of real like we haven't seen guys like this really that yeah very unique talent yeah the way he distributes the ball is uh he's better than his brother and his brother is one of the best distributors in in the league in my opinion even though his stats are a bit down this year so i think lamello is the perfect point yard of the future for these guys you would love to see them get that dynamic sort of like 25 30 point per game score yeah that's what i was just thinking in the draft i'm not so worried about the center position because other than maybe like three or four guys the center position is kind of still dying in the league the only reason those guys are so good is because they can shoot the three they space the floor except for mb who just just dominates in the low block but i think 
I'm not so worried about that centre position. I do think they're lacking that absolute number one scorer. Um, Haywood is sort of that, but you know he's he's on the yeah. downward tra- trajectory. I think that signing, although it's sort of working for them, kind of has stuffed them a little bit. Um, so I think they've got to go for it and bank on the PJ Washingtons, obviously Lamelo Bridges. Uh, I guess Devonte Graham and Terry Rozier continuing to progress, and then maybe they can snag another cool, interesting free agent. They've got Michael Jordan sitting on the, the sidelines, so I think the important thing for the Hornets is for them to get out of that being the worst laughing stock team in the league. They need to win a little bit, and then things will start to change. And it looks like that's what they're doing this year. They are uh, behind only the New York Knicks in uh, cap space at the moment as mm. well, so that could be a factor. But yeah, four years for 120 million and a 30-year-old Gordon Hayward doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence as their number one dude. Although he's the sort of guy who plays slow, so you never know. It could work. Game might age. Alrighty, that's enough basketball talk. Let's uh, dive into some AFL. We've done plenty of AFL fantasy on this pod, but we haven't talked a lot of nuts and bolts about just footy. Um, As I said last week, I was going to drop a realistic goals article for every AFL team and I did that. I came up with one goal for every AFL club for the 2021 season. Tried to keep it in line with the timeline of each AFL club. So let's start with uh, your favourite AFL side, the West Coast Eagles. I said that their goal in 2021 was they needed to find a Robin for their Batman and I was calling Nick Natanui their Batman. We talked a little bit about how he's when we talked about the fantasy stuff, how he's being deployed in bursts. And I don't know how the reduced interchanges are going to impact him, whether he will just spend, say, 60% of the time on the ground or if he will go forward. But that number two, that supporting Ruckman, I think if they could, whoever it is on their roster, someone step up into that role, because they got rid of Tom Hickey, who was kind of playing that role a bit last year, along with dudes like Oscar Allen, mm. um, Nathan Vardy and Bailey Williams are the only other two recognised Ruckman on the roster. But if they could find that Robin, I think that would be go a long way to helping West Coast unlock their potential. Big time. I think uh, Natanui should realistically only be on the field 50% of the time. I was going to say 50, but I yeah. was like, ah, 60 sounds a bit better. But I think the good thing is, and the guy who I hope is the Robin, um, is that Bailey Williams is a very similar player to Nick Nat. He's a freak athlete. I'm not sure how he goes in terms of tank, but if you can just go 50-50 with those two, especially because you can rest Bailey Williams up forward quite easily, yep. um, I reckon he's the guy. It's Yeah, I do worry about his tank, but I think if you can get Nick Natanui like, absolutely dominating the, the ruck for 50% of the game, that's, that's sort of the, the advantage that we, that we would sort of go off. Hopefully, pour plenty of points on the well, score, kick plenty of goals. Sorry, I'm Wait, I'm still yeah, on basketball. Yeah, basketball. Uh, kick plenty of goals while Nick's on, and then sort of just have a 50 or sort of split the ruck knocks with Bailey Williams, who is an absolute like jump out of the, the gym sort of athlete. There's another basketball reference. Um, I reckon he's the guy. I, I, I also am hesitant to pick Vardy because he's, he's aging, he doesn't yeah. really. He's not going to go up much. I think give Bailey Williams the run, let him take some screamers. He's from like Bankstown or something. Like you know, he's a pretty rough and tumble sort of guy. He gets in there, mixes it up. So he's mine. He's the man for mine. 
Although I could see Oscar Allen kind of working, although I think you just lose a lot. Yeah. When he's he's not winning ruck knocks so much. So Oscar Allen's only a year older than Bailey Williams, but he's nearly got forty games under his belt. I wouldn't be surprised if they at least to start the season didn't throw Bailey Williams to the fire and played like, I don't know, Allen as their backup ruck and even pinched hit Darling in the middle or mm. you know. Oscar Allen seems like the other dude that would take center bounces, but you know, maybe in the back line, Jeremy McGovern takes hit outs and in the forward line, mm. Jack Darling does or something of the sort. But again, I think that if they could pick or find out who that bloke is as their second fiddle in the uh, ruck department, it will go a long way to helping them in 2021. The Bombers, uh, the next team we're going to talk about, I was pretty, uh, not lazy, that's not the right word, but I just said they simply need to improve defensively. So they ranked in the bottom handful last year for opponent disposals and marks. And they allowed their teams that they went up against to play pretty free-flowing footy, I think. I uh, can't remember the other team, but they were second worst for forcing clangers and turnovers. So Essendon really have fallen off a little bit in the last couple of years. I can't remember. I was 2019. You picked them to kind of surge up the ladder yeah, and be really yeah. good. Well, and they really haven't delivered. In the article I wrote, I put in the tweet, there's a Twitter page solely dedicated to uh, telling everyone how many days it's oh, been yeah. since Essendon's won a final. Um, poor down. Bombers fans, are, yeah. But uh, as we approach... Yeah, it was today. Today's the 6,000 mark. So 6,000 oh, no. days since Essendon won a final. They've oh. played a couple, but they haven't won since 2004. So I think the Dons really need to tighten the screws, obviously, to make some noise. I think the interesting thing with the Dons, it's I don't think it's their defence that's bad. It's actually their their offence that's not doing enough work to stop the ball coming back quickly. Okay. So we always talk about the Dons. Their inside 50s are always too shallow, and that allows teams to run it back at them really quickly. And I think that's, in my mind, that seems to be what's happening with them. They've got great midfielders. They've, oh, they lost Danaher. I'm not so sure who they're going to kick to. So you can't afford to be getting those shallow entries that can just slingshot back out the other way, particularly in this switch and and sort of run and gun uh, era of AFL football that we're playing in. The zone, uh, sorry, the zones open that up as a bit as well. So I think they actually have to do, improve offensively, and that will help them defensively. They've got the cavalry in the middle. Um, their midfield's one of the like on paper. I yeah. Mean, you just look at their like three or four on ballers. You got like Shield, Merritt. Um, who's the other bloke that I'm forgetting? Andy uh, McGrath. Yep. Like they got some dogs in the midfield. Absolutely. So you're right. I can see why. For what it's worth, Peter Wright, the former Gold Coast Suns, who they picked up in the offseason. Jake Stringer yeah. is arguably their other recognised tall in the forward line, but they really excel with some of those small dudes like Tipper. Um, Nick Hind also joined the Bombers. Yeah, who can't not too uh, positive about their mix. And and sort of Waller is a sort of guy who can't thrive if the ball's only getting kicked to the forty meter mark. He needs it deep so he can go to work at people's feet. So yeah. I think if they get their inside fifties right, I think that'll go a really long way to fixing um, the Dons. It's a good call. Poor Essendon fans. I didn't want to have to bring up the six, six thousand days two, since the finals appeared. Coming up on two decades. You know, that's pretty yeah. ridiculous. Like two thousand and four, you're like, oh yeah, that's a while ago. But when you say it out loud, like now that we're in twenty twenty one, it's a long time ago. Brisbane, uh, they've had some success in the last couple of years, but they've been very shithouse when it comes to kicking in front of goals. So I said their goal for 2021 was to purely solve their accuracy woes. 
They actually led the league for shots on goal in 2020, but they were the second worst when it came to accuracy. And that's a trend that has kind of continued for the last season or two. And we talked about Joey Danaher. He lands inside 50 now, but in his last three seasons, injury affected for what it's worth, he's only kicked 18 goals, 20. So Dane Zorko's talking about spending some more time up forward. Charlie Cameron is an electric talent. And Eric Hipwood's, like, take, I think, last year took another step up in development. But there was a game, I think it was Lockie Neal kicked, like, one goal, five, and Hugh McCluggage kicked six points or something last year. So if they can't kick straight, obviously they're not going to score as much. But I think that really will hamper them from taking the step from being, like, a top-four staple to a legitimate premiership threat. I'm not so worried about this one, if I'm being honest. I think, like you said, they're leading... As sort of shots on goal, um, is it pretty convincingly? Like, I would assume they'd be way ahead. Um, I think from memory, the Dogs were the second team, and it wasn't too much of a gap between them, but um, we'll see if I can bring it up quickly. But yeah, go on. I think it's not so much of an issue. As long as you're getting the shots on goal, the goals will come. Like, obviously, their midfielders are kicking woefully on goal, but if you take out the McCluggages and the, the Neals, kicking five points and six behinds and stuff like that. I think the the numbers would probably revert a little bit. I think as long as they're getting it in there, they're doing a really good job of locking it in. I think it'll come. They've got a lot of young players as well. I'm sure like Rainer's like blazing away at times and things like that. Charlie Cameron's always going to take some pretty tricky shots on goal. So I think as long as they're getting the shots on goal, I think they'll come. And with the Danaher one, it's you look at Buddy, he sort of goes 50-50 and goals and behind. So those big power forwards generally do, except maybe like, you know, the few elite ones like Kennedy's probably sort of more goal heavy yeah. than behind heavy. But I think as long as it's getting in there, the the Lions are going to do really well. I think they could potentially take that step up this year. And it, it does come down to getting those behinds and turning them into goals. But I think if it's in there, they've got the chance and hopefully at some point it will. But even if not, they still finished bloody third on the ladder yeah. or whatever. So they I generated uh, 22.4 shots on goal this year. Port Adelaide was actually second with 21.5, Geelong at 21.2, and then West Coast. Uh, sorry, Western Bulldogs were fourth. Sure. But the Dogs were, the year before, first for shots on goal and Brisbane was second by like 0.2. So they've been... The best offensive team when it comes to getting scores, but yeah, I again I can see why this one's probably not a huge like alarm bell should be ringing, mm. but I mean they lost to Geelong in the prelim or the qualifier maybe, and it was like a forty point game, and then you know in these tight finals they've got to be able to convert on the scoreboard. All right, demons are up next. Their one was one of the rare player orientated ones. I said they need to find the right role for Angus Brayshaw back in. 2019, he obviously burst onto the scene, averaged 26 touches. The D stormed into a prelim against your boys, and he polled 21 votes in the Brownlow that saw him finish third. But since then, he has just looked like a shell of that same player. So I don't know what specific role they should play him in. I think playing him on a wing with some of those other inside midfielders might make sense. It also makes sense to probably keep him as close to the pill as possible. So the D's have to do the right thing by Gus Brasher and get him in a position to succeed. Otherwise, I wouldn't be surprised if he asked to leave. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he's a gun. He's still really young. Um, people sort of forget that. He was probably like 22 when he got those when he polled really well 
in that Brownlow in 2019. So we've still got plenty of footy ahead of him. Um, he probably gets a bit, little bit lost behind those real hard nuts, those real ball winners in Clayton and Viney and stuff like that. But And then Harms has sort of been around the mark. I think this is the year that they will throw him in the middle and just keep him locked in there because you're right, he was third in the bloody Brownlow. I don't, and the the D's sort of went really well as he was playing really well. I think they need, need, need to keep, keep him in the middle. Forget the wing. Keep him in the middle as much as Clayton Oliver plays in the middle. Push some of those other older guys out to the wing, a la Joel Selwood, the way he sort of did that last year. Um, and I think that's, that'll really open up his game and just allow him to develop because you're right, he's looked really... Uh, tentative and sort of like he's just heart and head yeah he's all over it. the shop but I can totally relate I'm sure we've all been out on a footy field when we're playing out of position week after week and we get a bit stroppy it just changes how you play so I think if they can get that right and I think the spot is in the guts as many centre snaps as that he can get um, I reckon the D's could sort of take a real step, although I don't think they will. Yeah. Um, but I think they absolutely, I couldn't agree more. That's where he was when he was excelling in 2019, was yeah. it right next to the pill. If yeah. he doesn't uh, want to stay at the D's, he'll happily come and join his brother at the Fremantle Dockers. Oh, uh, transitioning into the Dockers, their one is black and white. It's very simple. They need to kick more goals. We said Brisbane was inaccurate and generated a lot of, sco- a lot of shots and a lot of scores. Since 2016, Frio's finished in the bottom three for scoring every year. Matthew Tabernard took a little bit of a step up and actually finished fifth in the Coleman last year, but I don't know if you want to lean on Tabernard as your only spearhead. I do wonder if they need to find that guy. I mean, you can see teams like Richmond obviously have a two-headed monster in Lynch and Rewalt. Your boys have Josh Kennedy, who's arguably the greatest Eagles forward. And then you throw Jackie Darling in the mix. He's been a great Robin to his Batman. So I don't know if the Dockers have that. Actually, I do know. The Dockers don't have that other guy on their list. I don't know if they need it, though. That's the question. Is Because obviously, talked about how Brisbane generates a lot of shots and they've got a lot of other crafty dudes. Frio's talked plenty about Nat Fife going up forward more this year. Michael Walters can throw his hat in the ring as one of the best small forwards going around. So... Pretty purely simple, the Dockers need to kick more snags. I think that with Frio, as long as they're getting plenty of inside 50s, they've got the guys who can sort of dominate and really sort of pick the ball up cleanly, Walters. I think Fife is the answer. Um, I think if he spends a bit more time up there, wins the footy like he's playing in the midfield, but up forward, um, I reckon he's going to be the one who really tips them over the edge. But as long as they're generating plenty of inside 50s, I'm not so worried about who's kicking the goals. I'm surprised that two grab tab is bloody fifth on the Coleman. Right? If he can replicate that, I I see no reason that Frio can't make that jump. I think that those young midfielders look unreal. Um, Just got to give them a bit more time to really step up. Move Fife slowly into the forward line, same way that Dangerfield's been kind of moving that way. Um, I'm not so worried about Frio. I think you're right. They absolutely need to kick more goals. I think it it will come quite naturally with progression and with Fife sort of playing that mid forward role. I hope so. I want to see uh, Fife like I can see why they would want to transition him into the midfield, but I wouldn't be too hurt if they went like fifty fifty midfield forward yeah. time. Like yeah. really, even if it was more towards the forward time, because like you said, the midfield's starting to rise, and I've got a lot of faith in what Longmuir is building out in. Uh, 
the Dockerland. So hopefully we can have like Sarong and Brayshaw, even Chera in the guts a bit more. Yep. Mundy's probably in his last season, but there's still plenty of other young talent on the list to do enough in the midfield for Fifey to have to just pinch it. And Mickey Walters yeah. spent some time in the guts, but I want to see him just as half forward or inside 50. I think he is a premier offensive talent and we need him to be kicking more snags. Last team we're going to dig through their goal is the Gold Coast Suns. Their one is pretty simple as well. In 2021, Gold Coast needs to finish 11th or higher because they've actually never finished 11th on the AFL ladder. They finished 12th as their highest finish in 2014, but they were kind of trending to make the finals in that year. I can't remember if they were in the eight when Gary got hurt, but yeah, they dipped a bit and then ended 12th, and they've got a probably the most exciting young core. The perennial uh, cellar dwellers definitely have the competence on their list to build and to go up. Took a big step in development, it seemed, last year. Didn't obviously have the record that showed it, but I felt like that they were in a lot more games, which is something you probably can't say about the Suns in years past. And they've got all the kids, they've got another season, another preseason under their belt, so I want to see the Suns climb up the ladder. I think they will. I, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think their core is dynamic and quite mercurial. I love Stewie Jew as a coach. My one worry is who is going to kick all their goals, and no one's jumping to mind at the moment. Who are their key fours? Like, they got Benny King. He was probably the leading yep. goal kicker last year. Um, Isaac Rankin would have kicked a couple of snags as well. Sure. See if I can get up their numbers. But They've got enough talent up in that forward line if they can get it there. And I think that was probably their problem. It, it seemed like the defence was just getting hammered um, you know, all season, especially once Rao moved, uh, got injured and their engine room was sort of less potent. Um, but I like what they've got up back. I think they can drive forward in numbers. I think Matty Rao is obviously a bloody superstar. Rankin looked unreal last year. So I, I reckon, and I'm just going to call it early, I think they might make the jump into the finals. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I hope they do. I said it year after year. Um, but I reckon this is the year that they do it, especially if Matty Rao can stay healthy. Um, there's a bit of a freak shoulder sort of yeah. injury. You don't expect that to happen again. Fingers crossed, knock on wood. It's not sort of a Judd situation. But if Benny King can st- take that step... I'm sure we're missing one more... Alex right Sexton was the bloke that kicked some snags for him. Sam yeah, Day also got amongst it. And then Benny Ainsworth and Lockie Weller. There's actually four blokes that kicked 12 goals for them last year. And obviously we saw them gather other talents like Hugh Greenwood and mm. Brandon Ellis. So I think they're going to boost them. But Peter Wright was the one that left them. Yeah. Um, Dave Swallow and Darcy McPherson the year before were amongst their leading goal kickers. Mm. So I think Benny King... Getting his hands on a lot of the pills going to have to happen. Jack Martin, I'm looking through their list now at blokes in 2019 who led their goal kicking. It's just littered with dudes who are no longer there. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did make a bit of a climb. And that segues into the last little topic we're going to go through. I want to look at some of the teams that finished in the bottom 10 and didn't make the finals who could make that jump up. Obviously, when you look at the top eight... Most of the teams, I don't think, got worse this offseason, and I only expect to stay in contention. Port Adelaide's one that you could wave a bit of a flag at them maybe dipping out of top four mm. contention after winning the minor premiership last year and storm into a prelim. They did get a leer a leer to strengthen their defence, but Robbie Gray's getting a year older. Trav Boak, similar deal. I do love some of their kids in Rosie and Butters and that, mm. but I'm not completely sold on Port. 
And Collingwood's the other team who finished eighth purely on uh, a draw that they snagged against, I think it was against Richmond last year? Yeah, they drew against Richmond? Yeah. Well, that was the only thing that separated them from losing a final spot to Melbourne. So Jeez, that's depressing if you're Collingwood. I couldn't agree more. There's one other team that I think just a, a little bit at risk of dropping out because of a lack of sort of continuity. I reckon St Kilda, even though they've added Crouch, they've probably added a few more people. They've added people every bloody year. I could just see them dropping out for one year. I don't think they'll stay out for a long time, but I think maybe just because they're trying to fit a new, few new personnel in and they're, they're not having that continuity. Like Matt, uh, Brad Crouch is a huge player to try and plug into a midfield. You're not sure Suspended for the first two games as well. For that's worth. Yeah, you're not sure what's happening with Hanabry. You wonder if Dan um, Butler is a bit of a flash in the pan. Brad Hill didn't really get going last year. No, not at all. So they were, they're a great team. I really like what they're doing. I could just see them potentially finishing ninth, say. I think Collingwood are definitely destined for a fall. Um, after losing Trelaw, whatever the hell is going on with their, their club at the moment. Um, bloody racist club. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, even... Because you see it happen, like that fracture between the the players and not even the coaches, the but board. like the, yeah, yeah. the board and the management is the word I'm looking for. But um, St Kilda, they also added James Frawley, Jack Higgins and Sean McKernan. So mm. pretty solid depth pieces. Yeah. You're right though, I could see them finishing in that ninth to 10th bracket. Teams that are sitting there at the moment, Melbourne and the Giants, I actually don't have confidence in either of them making the jump up. Yeah. It's the two below them that I've probably got the most faith in. 11th place, Carlton Blues. I think they've now got the depth and they added a couple of other, like, not stars, but Zach Williams was a great get for them. Yeah. Actually, yeah, they are, I guess they are stars. Zach Williams and Adam Saad as well. Like, yeah. pretty good players. I mean, not super stars. Saad was but... an All-Australian 40, wasn't he, I think, last year? Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's got an All-Oz gong in his belt from a year or two past. But um, they kept Eddie Betts. That's another big thing going for the Blues. I think that they're ready to make that step. They've got to. They've been kind of knocking on the to. door for a couple of years. Another, again, pre-season under Walsh's belt. Krupa's got a fire. He yeah. was probably someone that was a bit inconsistent last year. I do wonder how much the Corona ball is going to impact a lot of players. Like, mm. obviously, going those shortened quarters, going back to normal, are we going to see the dudes that excelled in 2019 when things was normal, like, repeat that? Yeah. Or are there still some dudes that are going to be a bit all over the shop? But i got faith in the Blues, and actually do have faith in Frio making some noise. They might be another team that's destined to finish like ninth or 10th or not push through. But they were two or six points out of the eight last year. So considering we've talked about their struggles uh, on numerous Sportsby pods, I wouldn't be surprised if the Dockers made a little bit of noise and at least contended for the seventh or eighth spot. Yep, I totally agree. The thing to remember with Frio is they were missing Pierce and Hamling last yeah. year, weren't they? You got that great um, sort of lift from... Still, sort of... I think from memory, sorry to cut you off, right. still, I think, conceded the fewest points in the league, if not, like, mm. top two or three. So anytime you're doing that, you're going to be in a, a roughly in a winning position. You're right, they need to kick more goals, but I think they can do it. Um, I've got Gold Coast as my favourite to make the jump. Um, I have a bit of faith in GWS because they have enough elite, elite players. Like, Cornelio's elite. You look at Whitfield, he's elite. Josh Kelly is about as elite as elite comes. So yeah. I think they've got the cavalry. Um, you're right, they lost a little bit because um, they lost big Cameron. 
that's going to really hurt them. But I still think they, they're probably a top eight team and they did look like it through big patches of last year. In fact, they were quite high for, a, for the start of the season. They just fell away as it sort of went on. Um, Carlton couldn't agree more. They have to do it this year. It's yeah. a real uh, put up or shut up year for Carlton in my mind. You're right. Walsh is got it's time for him to sort of go to become that player that everyone thought he would be when he got drafted especially after that great first year sort of leveled off a little bit um, and I can see why with a bit more attention but if Cripps is going to be taking the number one guy every week you're going to get inconsistent from him I kind of get it but Walshy and I guess the Jack Martins of the world have to really step up and um, sort of play their role and sort of become the players that they're supposed to be because otherwise I just think Carlton might be destined to just stay down there Poor again. Bastards. Yeah. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah, Gold Coast of the team for me. I'm hoping I think Matty Rao is like exactly who we think he is. Yeah, so. I think I probably skimmed over the Suns a bit because they're sitting 14th on the ladder. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's a big jump to make but it's really only I know there was only 17 games last year but there's really only three to four wins that are separating them from making that leap. They've the also finals. got a few interesting guys like Fiorini, who did play really well in 2019, mm. maybe did struggle a little bit with the shortened quarters. Like I kind of expect him to be a little bit, or sort of revert to the mean a little bit. Um, you add Greenwoods. I, I really like what Gold Coast have going, and, and they've got a bit more to kick to. Benny King's obviously going to be a star, so I think Gold Coast for mine. And I think Carlton... If two are going to drop out, I think they would be the two to jump back in. I hope Frio makes it, for your sake. And I just like Frio, but I think it's probably Gold Coast and Carlton for me. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think Collingwood's obviously the big one that has a red flag next to him falling out. I wouldn't be surprised if they like didn't take as big a drop as yeah. everyone expected. Um, but I, and I probably did skim over the Giants a little bit as well. They lost their last three in a row, which yeah. is probably the only reason they missed the eight. Um, and you're right, they still do have those premier dudes. Hopper's a great dude. Yep. Toby Green as well. So they've got enough class to push them up the rankings. But yeah, I don't know. We'll watch this space. It's a, it, that's a really tricky part of the ladder, I think. Like the, those guys, and even if the bottom of the, the eight, they're all kind of similar. And I was sort of looking at it as a West Coast fan thinking, shit. I'm a little bit worried. Like, yeah, I didn't have the balls to say it, but I was looking at West Coast and I know that they, they're elite in WA, which I think will really be a factor for them. And the year that they won the flag, I'm pretty sure they were 5-0 and at the G. So they're able to travel after the narrative was that they couldn't win out of mm. WA. But yeah, they're getting to the point where their premiership window isn't closed, but it's definitely starting to narrow. I agree. And I, the other team who I've, I'm not worried about this year, but... I think West Coast and Richmond need, yeah. really need to start to think about the succession plans, which is why I'm hoping Bailey Williams can start to play a little bit. Um, those two teams, everyone kind of inks them in every year because they're premier, like sort of premiership caliber teams. They've got the pedigree, but I wouldn't be surprised if potentially both of like Richmond and West Coast take a bit of a dip this year, even because everyone just expects them to be there. Uh, I reckon they might fall as their stars start to age. Shuey's 30, Dusty's 30-odd. Yeah. Jack Rewalt's old. Cochin's ancient, you know. So I think, um, yeah, just got to be a little bit careful. Luckily, they're system footy clubs, but 
Yeah, I'm a bit worried as a West Coast fan, I must admit. We'll be in for a hell of an interesting uh, 2021 footy season. I'm sure we'll talk more, like I said, nuts and bolts of AFL as the year progresses. And we've dug through those goals, we've dug through the ladder, so we've hit the one hour, 13 minute mark. I reckon uh, that'll do it. That's a pretty huge podcast. No AFL fantasy nuggets today. Uh, Quick... Aside, have you made any changes to your team? Nah, no. Nah. Oh, I've made shit loads. So we might have to unpack them on the next podcast. Uh, if you want some NFL news, uh, it's rumoured that Carson Wentz, Philadelphia's quarterback, is going to get traded to Chicago. And uh, they're going to send back Nick Foles and some other things. Nick Foles used to be a Philadelphia Eagles. So there you go. There's your uh, NFL fix. Hopefully you enjoy the Super Bowl tomorrow. Thanks again, JLo, for joining me on a Sunday sit-down. Till next time, ship your windy. Ship your windy.